there in the book of Genesis. The name itself meaning beginnings. And we're in verse uh, 32, verse 1. And we're at a point in uh, Jacob's life where he has uh, been fleeing uh, from the consequences or the, uh, uh, the, the, the troubles of a life of struggle. And he has come to a place where he has spent uh, about 20 years away from his family, 21 years away from home, 20 years separated from that thing at home, that, that, that thing that, that's so needed at home. Uh, yes, he had his family. Yes, he had 11 children. Yes, he had two wives. Yes, he had a whole bunch of things, yet something was still missing. And that thing that was missing could only be found at home. It might remind you even of the, uh, uh, of the prodigal son who had drifted and went and spent all that he had, and he had everything that you could possibly have uh, in, in, in the world. Uh, he had spent, had all the friends, all the money, but he realized there was something at home, something in his father's house that he yet still needed. And it kind of points to the fact that there's something uh, within us that all people, uh, everybody's a child of God by creation, but not from a redemption standpoint. And there is a void within each man that demands that he become one with his creator. And until he becomes one with his creator, he can never know true peace. He can never be truly stable. He can never be settled in the way he needs to be until he reunites with his creator and becomes one with him. And uh, we see here that, that Jacob, if, if you look here in, 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 in Genesis uh, 32, and uh, Cheyenne, uh, I want you to uh, 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 pick up reading for me in, in Genesis 32, verse 1. And we're going we're gonna to read, and we're seeing how he's deciding to return home. And going back home is going to require that he fixes some things. He's going to have to fix some things with, with, with his brother because he's, he's been struggling all his life. If you know the story of Jacob, it began in Genesis 25. And you know that he was struggling with his brother from the very beginning. His name, his name, which will be the focus of our lesson uh, for this morning, uh, the change of the name. Uh, you see that when he was born, his name meant heal or deceiver. And originally, his name was meant as a positive thing. When it said heal, it was like one who, uh, like a rear guard, someone who was going to watch your back, who was going to take care of you and see in your blind spot. But the moment that he reached and grabbed his brother's heel while still in the womb. See, because we know that there was a promise that God had set forth through, uh, through Jacob. And, and the moment he reached and grabbed his brother's heel, uh, he then took on the negative aspect of that name, which was deceiver. And we see from the very beginning in Jacob's life that he was one who would be uh, prone to take matters into his own hands. Even though he was going to be the child promised, we see that he somewhat goes beyond God's promises and takes a hold with his own strength. And what we've got to learn is that 
in this life, either we will trust God and we will rest on his promises, or we will, we will bypass his promises because of doubt, anxiety, and what have you, and take hold of it with our own hands. We'll use our own strength. And any time you start to use your own strength, you are now, instead of fighting, allowing God to fight for you, you are fighting against him. And you create more of a struggle than what God intended for his people to have. Yes, there'll be challenges in this life, but see, we add challenges when we start to struggle with God, when we start to fight against God, when we start to reach past his promise rather than resting on his promise. Because if God has made a promise, you can bet he's going to fulfill his promise. All you need to do is wait patiently and know that he is God. Wait patiently and trust in his power and know that he will deliver. Life can be less of a struggle if we learn to rely on God. And so then we see uh, 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 Jacob, the over there, 32 verse 1. Go ahead and read. And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's host. And he called the name of that place Mahanaim. You read. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, unto the land of Seir the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall ye speak unto my lord Esau, thy servant Jacob, saith thus, I have sojourned with Laban, and stayed there until now. And I have oxen and axes, flocks and men servants, and women servants, and I have sent to tell my lord that I may find grace in thy sight. All right, now what we have here, uh, as I said, the story begins in Genesis 25. And we have one who has been taking matters into his own hands. He has lied. Uh, we know, and, and a subtopic for this, this message is, is from, from liar to leader. Because Jacob began his life as a deceiver. And we know that he lied about his identity. Uh, to his father, we know that he he he, he took advantage of his brother's uh, weakness. We know that he uh, reaped, the, and, and then we know that he also would soon reap the rewards of that deception by the fact that he would make his life more difficult. And 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 and, and also in what he had done with his brother, that thing was going to come back. And this is where we see he wants to come home. He's tired. He's alone, and he wants to be at home again. But see, when you decide to turn back to God, see, you don't just turn back to God without facing some things. And it also says, uh, going from 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 liar to leader can be a struggle because there's somebody you're going to have to wrestle with in order to become that leader, and that person you're going to have to wrestle with is none other than yourself. See, uh, uh, and see, self is, is is a strong is a strong opponent. Matter of fact, we often talk about how self will be the greatest opponent that you will ever have in life because self knows all your moves, knows all your thoughts, knows all your ways, and will counter you before you make the move. That is why none of us, by ourselves, can overcome self. And especially when Satan starts to use the self. None of us alone can overcome it. We need someone outside to step in. Someone who is more powerful to step in. 
who has the power to turn this, this, this battlefield around, who has the power to see the situation from the outside, because sometimes we have an issue with being self-aware. And sometimes until we decide to become self-aware, we're, we're, we're unaware of the trouble that we find ourselves in or the troubles that we often start or the conflict that we often find because we refuse to be self-aware. See, we have that, 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 low, that low emotional IQ. And see, to be self-aware means to be able to see a situation that you're in, to see it taking place, see the words being said, see what's about to happen, stop, step outside yourself, and say, that's how that happened before. I'm not going to let it happen again. I'm not going to rely on my wisdom. I'm going to acknowledge God in all my ways and let him make my path straight. But when you've been used to being strong all your life, and we know that Jacob was a strong man, at least physically, because at the well, remember, he moved the rock off the well, something that took several men to do. Jacob moved it all by himself. So he was physically strong. And so when you've been used to being physically strong, when you've been used to being uh, mentally strong and emotionally strong, in all these uh, different ways, uh, 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 what happens then is you start to rely on that strength. And you forget that that strength is limited. It runs out after a while. And you need some strength beyond your strength to carry you through situations. Huh? As you're moving into new circumstances. Just like our, 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 our brothers and sisters, they, they're in the Buckeye State now. And they're going to need some strength to deal with scarlet and that other color. <laughs> scarlet and gray. The people go crazy around here about some Buckeye. You're not in SEC country no more. It's going to take some strength to deal with that at work. You'll see people wearing all this scarlet, scarlet gray. They're like, what is wrong with you? It's going to take some strength for you to deal with that. But not only that, it's going to take strength for them to deal with new surroundings and new challenges and things that, because you try to prepare for, you try to prepare for changes in your life, but you can't prepare for everything. And there's some things that are going to hit you out of nowhere that you never saw, but you knew somebody who did see it and who worked to prepare you before you got to it. But you've got to make sure you have that close relationship with him. You've got to make sure that you're letting him fight for you rather than you fighting against him, if that makes sense. When we fight against God, we become deceivers. When we fight against God, we become manipulators. When we fight against God, we become combative. When we fight against God, we know no peace. So we try to make peace for ourselves because we're not patient enough to wait on God's peace. And the more we fight against God, the further it draw, it drives us from him. If that makes sense to anybody. And, and at some point you're going to reap the consequences of that type of action and attitude. How do we know? Because remember when Jacob got over there and he was dealing with his own people, Laban tricked him too. See, because oftentimes deceivers find themselves in the company of 
deceivers. Liars find themselves around liars. And see, evil communication corrupts good morals. 1 Corinthians 15.33. So the ones you run with after a while will start to infiltrate your mind. Upset your conduct and your object of faith, which is God. They'll slowly and ever subtly start to change and you will shift to think more like them than like him. And then before you know it, Bible tells us in Galatians, what you reap is what you sow. Bible says God will not be mocked. Right? So, so, then, so then as he's done this, we see that he is, he is separated. You see this in Genesis 29 uh, and 27. You see it also in Genesis 31, that he is reaping the rewards of it. And now, now he decides that I'm going to return to God. But now if I'm going to return to God, anytime you get ready to turn, and anybody in recovery will tell you this, when you decide to recover from any kind of addiction, what they'll tell you is, first of all, you've got to accept that the addiction it's got you. You've got to accept that whatever the thing is has taken control of you and you don't have control of it. Until you admit that, you can't get anywhere close to recovery. Then you have to choose a God. Now, in, 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 in the 12-step uh, uh, process, it talks about choosing a God. They said that God can be anything. So sometimes people will choose, you can choose, and it doesn't matter, but what they're saying is, you can choose a guardrail. You can choose a light switch. You can choose anything. As long as you're choosing something outside of yourself. Because part of what has caused you to become an addict is self-centeredness. Being too self-sufficient. And it's broken. You broke, you're broken down inside. You've tried to rely on your own wisdom strength. You've tried to be clever enough, but you're not. And it has torn you down. So they said, you have to choose something outside of you to indicate that I am ready now to not rely on me, but to rely on something greater than me. Does that make sense? So then, so then, so then, uh, uh, he's going to return, and they often say in recovery, you got to make a, a, a you got to do a self inventory, and then when you make that self inventory, then you got to go back and make a list of the people who your addiction hurt. Right? So now what you got to do is when I was in my stubborn moments, when I was in my combative moments, when I was in my difficult times and doubtful times and, and anxious ways, I got to go back and deal with everybody that I hurt because of it. Because no man is an island in and of himself. So now you got to think about it. Who did I hurt purposely? Who did I hurt? Uh, who did I hurt inadvertently? I need to go back and set things straight today. And see, to do that, that's a humbling type of thing. But see, you can't go from liar to leader without humility. Huh? Because if you're going to be a leader, you're going to have to be taught. And if you're not willing to humble yourself, you can't learn. Not even you can't, you won't. Huh? So, so, so then he says, I'm going to go back. And see, the thing about God is the moment now you decide to go back, 
will send reassurance from on high. Now you see angels right there in 32 verse 1, but see angels also represent messengers. And messengers bring messages. And so when you decide to turn back, God sends the message. Well, how does he send the message today? He sends it through the preaching of his word. He sends it through the teaching of his word. He then sends the message to the receptive mind that is ready to return and tell them exactly how to come back home. His brother who he cheated now, he says, I'm going to have to find a way to, 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 uh, to, to, to persuade my brother to, to take me back. Because now I know that I'm wrong. Because when he left, when he left, Esau swore, he said, I'm going to mourn my father first, and then I'm going to kill my brother. Huh? Ever heard that? Somebody, don't let me catch you out there. Don't let me catch you in the street. Because if I do, you're going to pay for this. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all have said it yourself. It's cool, it's cool, but don't let me see you nowhere. Don't let me see you at the club. Don't let me see you. At the, don't let me see you because wherever I see you is for me. <laughs> I don't even care. Right? If we don't talk like that, I'm a block for So the thing is, so then now he's going back at Esau and he sends before him all kind of good wishes and wealth and his children and all these kind of things. And in a way, uh, he's telling us, look, when you're going to deal with somebody and make a situation right, then you don't come, you don't come to them, you don't come to them uh, 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 bold and brazen. When you want to set a situation right with somebody, you come, at, you come to them in humility. You, 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 you lay yourself out before them. You, you, you lay yourself prostrate. You make yourself vulnerable. Because remember, refusing to be vulnerable is often the culprit of many of our conflicts and struggles, even in our relationships. How can two people claim to be together but won't be vulnerable around each other? That's why it's foolish to say, I want to be in love but I don't want to be hurt. Because sometimes love hurts. And it doesn't always hurt in a bad way. Sometimes it hurts in a good way because that way is called growth. So you got to be willing. He says, I want my brother back, but I, I've got to be a brother first. Huh? See, see, you want a friend back, but you don't want to be a friend first. You want your friend back, you be a friend first. Huh? Don't be sitting there waiting, I'll be a friend when they be a friend. That's foolish, that's earthly wisdom. No, you be a friend first. Because when you decide to be humble and vulnerable, that's when you allow God to cover you and protect you. Huh? So then we see, he sends them, he sends them, and, and, and for some reason he's sending them over there, but also because Jacob, uh, he wants to be alone. He wants to be alone. And, and, and after they are all gone, we're still in uh, 32. Uh, we see that they, 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 uh, uh, they make a they, they make a uh, as he comes to them later on in 33, they're going to make peace with one another. But before that, in verse 22, I want you to pick up, uh, read, and uh, no, go back to verse 20 for me in, in Genesis 32, verse 20. Come on and read for me, Cheyenne. And say ye moreover, behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us. For he, for he said, 
I will appease him with the present that goeth before me, and afterward I will see his face, her, her adventure, he will accept of me. So went the present over before him, and himself lodged that night in the company. And he rose up that night, and took his two wives, and his two women servants, and his eleven sons, and passed over before Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook, and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Now, now look at what happened here. Now, he needs to make peace with, with his brothers. But before that, he has to do some wrestling. See, before you can get right again, you've got to have the right mind. You have to have the right mind. And, and, and to have the right mind means you have to change your mind. And in the New Testament, that's called repentance. If you're going to get a situation right, you've got to repent. And not just repent toward God, you have to repent toward those who you've injured. But see, that doesn't, that's easier said than done, right? That's easier said than done. Because see, he had to wrestle. What did he have to wrestle with? He had to wrestle with, like you have to wrestle with, he had to wrestle with his fear. He had to wrestle with his uncertainty. He had to wrestle with the, 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 the adversary, working through these, these, these feelings of his. He had to also wrestle with, he had to also wrestle with, he had to wrestle with his own uh, 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 self-sufficiency. And his own, he had to wrestle with being used to being in control of situations. He had to wrestle with all of that. Before he could get the situation right, some of us have been so used to our own strength that we are afraid to give up control. And above all, to God who never fails. And because of that, we end up coming across the people. We come across to God and we come across the people very combative, very difficult sometimes. Doubtful, unsettled, shifting in our in, in our in our in our our countenance, and what I mean by that is just not having. You know, Christians supposed are supposed to have the same general attitude and the same. They're supposed, you know, yes, we have up and downs, but we're supposed to be settled and at peace. Those things are going on in my life. Yes, I acknowledge them, but I still have peace in God. Amen. Christians are not up and down people. That's not them. They deal with what comes, and then put. And they deal with what comes, take it, and they give it to God. Yes, they're concerned, but they don't let worry distract nor destroy them. Does that make sense? And I want you to see how. See now, 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 now I want you to see something. See how uh, Esau, uh, Jacob, and Esau. Notice how Jacob knew he was wrong, right? See, it's something interesting about how we know how we have wronged God. 
Have we not? We've deceived him. We've cheated him. We've done all types of things. And we need him to be able to accept us. You know why we preach obedience? You know why we preach trust? The reason why we preach trust and obedience is because they please God. And I need God to be pleased with me. No, I'm not trying to earn my way into heaven. I'm doing these things because he's pleased by them. He's done more for me than I can ever, ever do. And he's been better than me than I could have ever possibly and will ever possibly be to myself. <clears throat> so I need lives, we need lives of obedience and faith because it pleases him. So when, before we leave this earth, we want to make sure that we've sent forth all the pleasing things we can to the Father. So that through the blood of Jesus, we can be accepted. Huh? I want to stay in his grace. I want to stay in his mercy. I want to keep working within his grace and his mercy and keep sending up that timber so that he will be appeased. Because God has every, every right to be angry with me. He has every right <clears throat> to turn his back on me. But because of his kindness, his love, his love and his goodness, he's willing to look inside of me and see where I'm sincere. <clears throat> and let me come in. That's if I have obeyed Jesus, the personification of his will. So Esau is doing all of that. And see what, it, it, we, we can't get back to the double So the thing is, so then what we have here, he starts to wrestle. Right? He's wrestling. Anybody had to wrestle before? Hmm? If you're sitting in worship right now, if your heart is really open, if you're really receptive, you're wrestling right now. Wrestling with self-doubt. Wrestling with all these things inside. And how do I decide to live without being self-sufficient? Some of us have just been too used to relying on self and coming back to self. Can't hear nobody else. Right? Don't want to hear nobody else. But he says, I'm going to wrestle because I need to receive my blessing. Now, why do I say fear? Because the Bible says here that he said he wrestled all night long. Right? He wrestled and he was alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until dawn. Now, he didn't know who that man was. That man could have been anybody. That man could have been one of Esau's men for all that he knew. You ever notice how paranoid you get when you're being difficult and you're struggling? It's like everybody's out to get you. You don't know what's going on. You're wrestling also against darkness within Huh? And, then, and then he says, he says, uh, uh, he wrestled with them until the dawn. Now, as he's wrestling, I don't know who this man is. So if I don't know who this man is, I bet not let him go. I bet not turn him loose. Because if I turn him loose, he might turn on me. I've got to keep hold to him. Huh? He, I, I, I gotta, and I'm going to wrestle with him, I'm going to wrestle with him to the end of my strength. It says, then when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip. And rested out of socket. The man said, Let me go, for dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let go until you bless me. So, so he had, now this, this, this means he was striving with God, and what he was doing, he was fighting against God. 
Huh? Read, read verse, uh, read that for me. Uh, verse uh, 25 and 26 for me, Cheyenne. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. Mm -hmm. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Now, 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 he done wrestled for a while. He done got all out of, all out of jump. Y'all know what that means? Mm -hmm. My people outside say, you ain't even got your nose all out of jump. You done done too much. You just, you got all displaced and discombobulated, right? Uh, uh, yeah, because the thing is, he's saying, he's saying, he's wrestling, he's wrestling. He said, I ain't letting you go. So, see, he's not letting go of some things in him. And now he's got to be reminded, boy, you out of line. You out of line. You out of, you, you, you're out of line. Huh? And you got to be reminded. Right, and so then what does he do? He touches him, he puts it, uh, puts it, put, puts his uh, uh, hip out of joint. And then he says, what's your name, the man asked. He replied, Jacob, your name will no longer be Jacob. Man told him, from now on, you will be called Israel. Now the thing about Israel, the word Israel means God fights. So we're talking about what's in the name. So he goes from one who fights against God. Now, once his hip has been touched, been reminded of his humanity, reminded of his place. You see, because he's trying to go back home. Now, once you've been reminded of your place, and now you've been humble, crippled a little bit, you got to do some leaning. And now, once you get to that point, see, when a name was changed in Scripture, that meant a deeper change. So this wasn't just a surface. This was a deeper change. When you struggle to the point of exhaustion, and you cannot fight anymore. Anybody know what that feel like? I don't fought, I don't fought, I don't fought. I have no more strength. I cannot. Then he had, he, he had to say, he, had to, he, he was in a position then where he had to be vulnerable because he had no more strength. But not just physical, but spiritual. Right? And so then he says, what's your name? Now, listen here. You might undermine that. Because when he asked him what your name is, that's the place where uh, you and I, like Jacob, that's when you have to confess and acknowledge who you are. Huh? If you won't confess and acknowledge, and now remember, he was still Jacob at that point. You see that, right? And remember, in order to come to the Lord, you've got to hear. you got to believe, right? Huh? got to hear, believe. And, 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 and what else you going to do? Oh, we don't know. Okay, you got to repent. But then you got to confess. See, before you confess Jesus is Lord, you got to confess that He hasn't been your Lord. You got to confess that that I've been trying to run too much of my life. I've been trying to run the show. You got to confess that. So He says, "What's your name, son?" My name is Jacob. He didn't give him a middle name. He didn't give him a fake name. He gave him his honest name. See, you've got to be honest with God. <clears throat> if you want honest change, you have to be honest with God. Because God already knows. Huh? See, from liar to leader. So at some point, he says, I want to be a leader. Well, before you become a leader, acknowledge where you've been a liar. 
Acknowledge your shortcomings. Acknowledge where you still need to lean in order to lead. Until you do that, you can't be a leader. Not for righteousness sake. And so then, and so then he says, what's your name? He admits his name. He says, now your name, because you've acknowledged who you were and acknowledged who you are, because you've done that, I'm going to change your name. There was a change taking place within him, and he gave him a name that would show that change. He said he had fought with God and men all his life, but now, now, he was going to let God in the fight. See, children, it would help you a whole lot. That when you get in trouble, when you get in a situation, and oftentimes, you know what? Sometimes your parents will know exactly what you've done. It would help you a whole lot. If you just take it. Is that all right? Don't take Adam's route when God came strolling through the garden. You know, where are you? Then he got to ask you, he said, it was that woman's fault. Don't do that. Acknowledge your part. Can we get there? Can we get there, church, at some point? When you can be in an argument, disagreement, and just acknowledge your part. Instead of being on the defense all the time. You know, you know, you know you're wrong. You know you're wrong about something. You know you were wrong. Why not just say, you know what? I know, I know. And I'm, 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 I'm admitting to mine. You know, instead of doing that stuff where you're trying to point, you're trying to point and not receive, but you're just pointing. But what about you? But what about you? But what about you? Or you can't be. What anybody else can see in you, you can't be that. You deny it right out front. Don't you know you can't get to a peaceful place? Because guess what? Even if what they said was wrong, you can look in yourself and see where there is wrong and still deal with that. Isn't that right? Let me clean up my wrong. Let me get right. So I can have the right mind. So God, because see, I've got to a point at this point in this relationship, whatever it is, I've got to a point where I can't do it anymore. So it's this point I gotta let God do the fighting. Huh? Children, it would help you if you just say, you know what? I was, you know, wrong. Or here's where I'm wrong. And understand this: that sometimes God will never let the righteous be accused unjustly. If they're wrong about you, God will make sure that they know that they're wrong about you. You don't have to fight every battle. You don't have to do that. Just stand for the Lord. That's all. But some of us have been so used to, if this is not true, maybe I'm wrong, but some of us have been so used to defending ourselves. Even from youth, defending ourselves from parents, defending ourselves from siblings, defending ourselves from, we're always used to defending people attacking us, that that's just how we, that's our mode of existence. And so we're ready to defend, and, we're, and we come across that way. Man, just admit it. Is that so, is that, is that so wrong? Is that, what's so harmful about that? Well, I don't want nobody to see me. Listen, you know what they'll see you as? They'll see you as honest. That's what they'll see you at. Huh? And scripture says that, that they, they, they wrestle there 
And then he said, this is what your name is going to be. Now, after all the struggle that he's had in his life, y'all, watch this. After all the struggle that he's had in his life, you would think that now the change is starting, that he would be, he would be all right. He'd be good, right? But what's the Bible say? And, and he said, thy name shall, he said, shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God, and with men, and hast prevailed. Mm -hmm. And Jacob asked him, and said, tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, mm -hmm. for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. You see that, John? Now here's what I want you to see. You would think after all that struggle, right, that he would just lay down and obey, right? But Jacob, in a, of Israel now, in a last-ditch effort to regain some control, says, I told you my name. Now you tell me yours. You don't think we do that? Huh? You don't think we do that? After God is starting to change in us, we still, we still can't get right with that, that, uh, that letting go of self-sufficiency. So guess what? It rises back up. And he said, now you tell me your name. Notice God never told him his name. But see, we still want that control back. And when you want control, you start making demands and commands so you can feel better about the situation that you're in. But you need to be relying on the Lord. He said, I'm not going to tell you who I am. See, because the thing is, anything, you don't make demands of God. You don't command God to do anything. You make a request, and if he answers, okay. If he doesn't answer, okay. When he answers, okay. But, but along the way, I'm going to be okay. You don't make no demands of God. He was teaching it right then. And after that, then he blessed him. Then he blessed him. And, and, and it was then, because he was honest enough to recognize himself, and then God, and this the stranger stood there and told him all about himself. He said, oh, no. I have seen the face of God, and he let me leave. Do you see what he's saying there? He said, man, I fought against God, and I should have died. The way I was acting a fool and fighting against what he was trying to do in my life, I should have died. But he was merciful enough to let me leave. And the Bible says then he went away. He went away, right? And he went, what's it say? Go ahead and read. And as he passed over Kenyon, the sun rose upon him. Mm -hmm. And he halted upon his thighs. Mm -hmm. Therefore the children of Israel eat not of the sinew with strength, which is upon the hollow of the thighs. Unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh and the sinew that strength. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau came, and with him four hundred men. And he divided the children unto Leah, Leah, and unto Rachel. Now, 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 look what, look what I want you to see there. 31 says, the sun rose. He left 
and he was limping because of his injury. And so they remember that to this very day. Some of us are afraid. Because you know what? We ought to leave God. When we're in the presence of God, we ought to leave God limping. You know that? Amen. We ought to leave him limping. You know why? Because he's the crutch. See, you came in under your own power, but you should come out leaning on him. Just leaning on him. Limping. But some of us are afraid to limp because don't, we don't like how that looks. How I'm going to look for people limping. How I'm going to sound to myself limping. I'm not used to them. I don't want to. Boy, let me tell you. But see, when you learn that that limp is your help, and you learn through that limp, then you start to do something. Just like a brother of Groom said, he don't, no, nah, he probably wanted to be on the buggy. But, you know, he was in the buggy just with that foot. Yeah, but the thing is, I, I don't want to be on that cane because I don't want to look crippled. I don't want to look crippled. I don't want to look like I'm sick. I don't want to look like all that. I don't want to look that way. But see, he said, look, if you walk on this, it'll take the pressure off so you can heal. As long as you try to walk under your own power, you won't be able to heal. Your bones won't set right, and then you'll be dealing with something eternal, internally for all your life. Right. Christians shouldn't have a problem with them, because guess what? We are sick. And guess what? We need to get better. And we need to remember See, because when he looked up and named that place, he did the thing that helped him re help remind him of the situation. He left out looking and limping. See, you walk out looking to God and leaning on his everlasting arm. See, there's a deep change in his name. And see, and see, then, then he could be reunited with his brother. Because now he had the right attitude. You see that? He could come back to his family because now he had the right attitude. Is anybody in here willing to have your name changed? The Bible says in Philippians, salvation can only be found in one name. And that name is Jesus Christ. And unless you put on that name, you cannot be saved. And you must put that name on from the inside out. Galatians 3, 20, uh, 25 to 27 talks about all of us who have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Without baptism, you can't put him on. You've got to be washed. Have all your sins washed away. And when you're washed like that, listen, let me tell you something about this. See, it's not, notice what he said in over Peter. It's not just the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the cleaning of a conscience toward God. You, when you go in that water, that's just not washing you on the surface. When you go in that water, that's a deep cleansing that goes all the way down, past the bone to the soul. Amen. He washes you clean. And then puts a, a part of himself in you called the Holy Spirit to lead you as you live. So that you can learn from living. 
See, another thing Jacob had to wrestle with was his pride. That's why some of us don't want to live. Because we've been too proud, prideful and powerful. Can we get home? Can we? Because God has a way, the one who has lifted himself up, he will bring down. But he'll bring it down for their benefit, never their detriment. So the Lord wants to change some names. He wants to change some names. He wants to change the names. He wants to change names from denominational to undenominational. He wants to change some names. He wants to change some JWs to Christians. He wants to change some, some Baptists to Christians. He wants to change some, some, some Muslims to Christians, Methodists to Christians, Buddhists to Christians. He wants to change their names. And he wants to change them deep within. But you know what? You can't be changed until you get the right mind and you're ready to deal with all the things that you did while you were in the struggle. And it doesn't mean the struggle's going to stop. There's still going to be struggle. I just told you how even though when God changed his name, he's still. You still going to have to struggle with that self. But look to God and he'll bring you through. Anybody want the name change? Huh? If you're wearing those names I just mentioned, or any denominator, any name that you're wearing other than the name of Christian, Jesus Christ, you can't be saved in it, and you can change your name today. Christians who wear his name, if you've just been wearing his name only, but not wearing his attitude, you're in sin. If you've been wearing his name and didn't have the mind, right mind, Philippians chapter uh, 2, 1 through 7, then you need to repent. So that you can have a mind that's set on peace, that speaks peace, that seeks peace. Because as long as you're like Jacob, you will be usurping authority. Usurping authority. Usurping God's authority. Don't you want to see his face in peace? Then Christian, if, you, if you've been wearing his name but not his mind, but you still need that peace, and he'll give you the peace, then come on to the Lord. Let the Lord change you. Let the Lord change you. You know, it's going to be some more wrestling, but see, he'll be fighting for you rather than you fighting against him. Do you want your name changed? Huh? Do you want that? Be a trailblazer, which is the whole point of our BBS. Blaze a trail. Be a trailblazer in your family as one who has laid themselves down before the Lord to let themselves be changed. Because i got some children right down here who've been coming, but they're not Christians yet. But they're going to learn that they've got to lay down that they have to be trailblazers, be leaders in their families. And guess what? Put this in your back-to-school pack. You've got to go back to school as a trailblazer. Amen. Go back to school with courage and spiritual strength, ready to set the example for God. See? You'll get the pencils. You'll get, the, you'll get all that. But what's more important? is the moral and spiritual courage to stand up for God and let him show you how to reach your friends and your family. Because <clears throat> we follow a, a, a trail that Jesus blessed us. Yeah. It goes from earth to glory. Now, if you want to get on that trail, won't you come on? Hearing his word, believing what he said. Repenting your passions, confessing Jesus is Lord, being baptized for remission of your sins, and allowing his Holy Spirit to be placed in you in that watery grave where you meet the blood and then be resurrected by the, not your power, but by the power of God. See, you got to know, but that's what that represents. You know when you have somebody get in the water with you and they, and they facilitate the baptism 
Anybody that's been baptized or anybody that's not baptized, you hear them say. You hear, you, I say to them, okay, what I want you to do, cross, just put your nose, cross your arm, and just relax. Just relax. Because God's got you. And if you know anything about it, once you relax, you're taken down in the water, and you're brought up, and you don't even use your own strength. You don't use your own strength until you're set back on your feet on solid ground. He took me out of the muck and miry clay and set my feet on solid ground. Huh? How you going? How you going to change without that? That's why you relax, you come up and you stand, and then you begin the new, the walk in the newness of life. You can't forget that when you got to the faith. Because Jesus is coming back. And when he comes, you want to be found ready. Not rebellious. Because those who were found rebellious won't go with him to heaven. There's another place that was intended for just Satan and his angels. It's called hell. But you'll end up going with him. Yeah, that's a book of still preaching about hell. You know why I'm still preaching about hell? Because the Bible teaches about hell. It's real. So come on to the Lord. Won't you come? The Bible saying the same. So 